0: live your life boy
1: ladies and gentlemen welcome to the conspiracy farm where we don't start the conspiracies we just add the water and now your host of the most state-of-the-art most informed podcast on the interweb i
0: present to you pat militant and jeffrey wilson ladies and gentlemen are you ready for war? yeah rear naked choke of cocker spaniel bro you don't yeah, change, bro. change the neighborhood up conspiracy farm go check it out
2: All right, let's rev this baby up. Jeffrey Wilson is joining me. This is Pat Militich from the Conspiracy Farm. And today's guest is somebody that we've been lucky enough to have on once previously, and we are honored to have him back. He called the 2008 housing collapse and has done many, many more things. I want to get to the meat and potatoes because this guy is a genius, a financial wonder, and a lot of people pay attention to this this man when it comes to... Investments, uh, gold, silver, and, and uh, precious metals. So i I want to welcome Peter Schiff. Peter, thank you for jumping on with us.
0: Oh, my pleasure. For uh, you know, thanks for having me on.
2: And I wanted to point out that your I've been following your Twitter account for a while now, and and uh, the past few weeks have been have been colorful tweets to say the least.
0: <laughs> well, there's a lot to tweet about, you know. Unfortunately, you know, and you know, there's so much misinformation out there in the mainstream media. You know, in the financial media in particular, which is what I really pay attention to. So I'm trying to kind of put out my tweets out there so people uh, actually know what's going on, and so they, you know, they're not just fooled by what amounts to a lot of propaganda that's out there in the mainstream. Right, right.
2: Now, uh, we were we were looking at the two billion dollar, two trillion dollar stimulus, then another two trillion here with uh, God knows all the all the things that have been added to it. But Larry Kudlow saying that the bailout now is going to total somewhere around six trillion. Is he correct on that?
0: Well, first of all, I, I've already heard now that that might be ten trillion. Jeez. But you know, a trillion here, a trillion there. I mean, pretty soon you're talking about real money, right? But um,
1: <laughs> when, <laughs> when,
0: when, when, he, when he said a uh, six trillion, right? He said that the government itself was going to provide two trillion of aid, and the other four trillion was coming from the Fed. Jeez. But since the government gets its money from the Fed, right, because where do you think the money comes from, right? The gov- They have to get it from the Fed. The Fed is basically responsible for the entire $6 trillion, which may be $10 trillion. Uh, but where does the Fed get the money? Well, they just create it out of thin air. Right. But the problem is, while the Fed could create all the money they want, they can't give that money any value, right? They don't create any purchasing power. In right. fact, the goods and services that we buy with money are actually in shorter supply because a lot of people aren't working right now, not only in America, but all around the world. So the people that make the products that we use, they're not making all those products anymore. And the people in America who provide the services that we use, they're not out there providing those services. So at the same time that the supply of goods and services is going down, we are flooding the economy (laughs) with money that we create out of thin air. So you're talking about not just inflation, we're talking about maybe hyperinflation. Exactly. so that's what's coming. you know there, there are no bailouts here. Everybody is talking about how the government needs to bail everybody out and you know people are suffering through no fault of their own and the government needs to replace everybody's income, needs to guarantee people's jobs, we need to pay people's rent. The government doesn't have any money. The, the, you mean the government can bail out a small part of the population because it taxes everybody else to pay for it. All the government does is transfer money. From some citizens to other citizens, right? But the government can't give money to everybody. <laughs> who's paying for this? There's you know. The, the, there's an old saying: "It's the people that support the government. The government does not support the people." Correct. And right. everybody seems to have forgotten that basic fact.
1: Well, compare this, and I was listening to some of your recent podcasts. Compare this kind of economy to like a World War II economy, where we went heavy into debt, but we were able to pull ourselves out of it.
0: Yeah, well, people are using the World War II analogy like, hey, we need to come together and we got to fight this off and we need to sacrifice like World War II. Well, but we're not doing anything like what we did in World War II because in World War II the government was honest with the people. Right? The government said, "Hey, you know, we have to fight this war. We've been attacked by Japan. They bombed Pearl Harbor, and now, you know, we have, you know, we declare war on Japan, and now Germany is declaring war, so we have we're at war with Germany, and this is going to be a big war. It's going to cost a lot of money, and and so here's the bad news America. A a lot of you are going to have to join the army and the air force, right? To fight And 16 million American, you know, went to war, young men, right, went to war who were no longer here working. They had to go and fight and we had to feed them and clothe them and arm them. And so the government told the people, we're going to have to massively raise your taxes to pay for all this. Right. So taxes tripled. People, you know, before the war started, not even three percent of Americans even paid income taxes. By 1942, better than 30 percent of Americans were now paying the income tax for the first time ever because the government needed the money. And then the government said to the people, that's not enough. Tripling your taxes isn't enough. We need to borrow money. So we're going to sell these war bonds, and we want you to take your savings and buy these war bonds. And instead of going out and spending money and shopping and going to restaurants and going to bars and taking vacations, take that money that you would have spent and loan it to us. Because we need it. we got to fight this war. So American citizens bought the equivalent of trillions and trillions of dollars of government bonds. So it was the American public, through tax increase and loans to the government, Right. Not the government loaning money to the people, but the people loaning money to the government. Right. That's how we bailed out the government and allowed them to fight World War Two. And in the meantime, there were a lot of businesses that lost their customers because everybody was fighting a war or everybody was loaning money to the government. So. Nobody got a check from the government during World War Two. Nobody got bailed out if their business suffered because of the war. Right. If they were running a restaurant and there was nobody coming, if they had a, you know, a travel agency and nobody was taking vacations, you know, whatever. No, Everybody just had to figure out how to deal with it. Nobody got any help from the government. Everybody just sucked it up and dealt with it because that's life. And but now. The government is saying, oh, we're going to take care of everybody. Nobody should have to lose any money. What? The mm-hmm. hell, how is that possible? And we're all broke. The public is broke, right? In 1941, the, pub- the public was not broke. They had a lot of money. Uh, and the government is bankrupt. In 1941, the government hardly had any debt. Now the government is trillions and trillions in debt. So we have a bankrupt government acting as if they can bail out a bankrupt nation <laughs> they can't now they're they're going to they're going to get all the money from the fed but we're going to destroy the value of the dollar we're going to have hyperinflation yeah. that's what's coming and this this disaster this economic disaster that's coming is going to be way worse than what we got now with the coronavirus so I mean, yeah. what whatever no, happened that, i'm sorry pat
2: that's what i was that's what i was saying Is i mean is this i'm sitting here thinking to myself we were paying attention to deutsche bank circling the drain and wells uh, wells fargo and and a, a derivatives bubble that's bigger than four times the world economy is uh is this being used to collapse the system and restart it potentially with a digital dollar i don't know what's going on but you know give us a little bit of ideas on that
0: well there are some people that think that governments are doing this on purpose i don't know that they're that smart i don't want to give them that much credit (laughs) i think they're just incompetent and they're destroying the economy by accident but also i think the The tendency of politicians is to appease voters by giving them free stuff and by trying to delay the day of reckoning as long as possible. I mean, had the government followed my advice, right? back in 2008 because you know i predicted the financial crisis because i knew the fed was creating it when during all the time that the housing bubble was being inflated i was warning about the mistakes the fed was making and how they were inflating this big bubble and how when it popped we would have a financial crisis and banks would fail and fannie and freddie would go bankrupt and we'd have the worst recession since the great depression and trillion dollar deficits and 10 percent unemployment so everything that happened in 2008 and 2009 I had been warning about for about five, six years before it happened. And and so after it happened, I was giving my suggestion as to what to do, which was the opposite of what they actually did do. Right. My advice <laughs> was to swallow the pain as bad as it was going to be. Uh, don't bail anybody out. Don't slash interest rates. Right. Let the far- stock market fall to its natural level. Let real estate prices fall to where they need to be. Let investors lose money. Let companies fail. Which is what a free market
1: is supposed to do, of course. Right. right.
0: For, force the, the bad actors to suffer the consequences of their reckless behavior. Don't create any moral hazards. Make the government shrink. Make the government get smaller and cut spending. And I said, look, you know, if we'd have followed my advice, the recession in 08-09 would have been much worse than it was. But we would now be in much better shape to deal with the coronavirus. But because we didn't have a real recession, because we simply inflated a bigger bubble than the one that popped in 08, now this financial crisis that is gonna be started by the bursting of this bubble is much bigger than the one that started by the collapse in real estate prices. And so now the coronavirus is hitting us when we're broke. Hmm. And the reason the markets are imploding, the reason the economy is imploding is not because of the virus, it's because we weren't prepared for the virus, right? Like if you figure, think about it as an individual, let's say that you are an individual person and you're diligent and you put money aside for a rainy day, right? You save maybe 10, 15% of what you earn. And for years you put this money in a bank and you earn interest on it and you don't live beyond your means. You don't have, you know, big car loans or credit card debt. You're just a prudent person who, you know, saves money for a rainy day. Then all of a sudden you lose your job. Right. Oh, okay. Life throws you a curveball. I lost my job. All right. Now it's you know, I got to find another one. But it's not a tragedy because you have all this money in the bank that you can pay your bills while you're looking for another job. Right. It's not a crisis. Uh, It's just this is life. You know, you know, something happened. But now let's take the example of a guy who doesn't save anything, lives paycheck to paycheck, high on the hog. He's he's got a big mortgage that he can barely afford. He's got a brand new car with a loan on that. Right. He's maxed out his credit cards because he buys all kinds of stuff. Right. He doesn't save anything. And then all of a sudden he loses his job. Now it's a financial crisis because he can't pay his bills. Right. Well, and now right. the people, and now the people who lent him money are also suffering because they're not going to get their money back. Right. So the reason that this is a financial crisis now worse than the one in 08 is because we have so much more debt now than we had then. Right. So if the economy was in good shape, see, Trump keeps saying, we had this great economy, the greatest economy ever, right up until the coronavirus. No, we didn't. We had the biggest bubble ever. We had right. a phony uh, economy, right. and the and, and the coronavirus pricked that bubble. Mm. And everybody is focused on the pin, right? The pin. They can't wow. see the bubble that the pin pricked. Right. That is the problem. That's why there is no getting back to normal. There is no way that we can reflate this bubble. We can't go back to where we were before the coronavirus, even if we cured it tomorrow right the economic crisis that's coming is going to be much worse than 08 regardless of the coronavirus now i agree if we can deal with the coronavirus then it will be not as horrific as you know but we can even it. if we cured it tomorrow and we all try to go back to work we're not you know it's like humpty dumpty fell off the wall can't put him back together again <laughs> Wow.
1: So so yesterday was kind of really in the in the in the larger scheme, whatever that largest gain since 1933. That was really kind of cosmetic more than it is anything substantial.
0: Well, that was just a rally in the stock market. You know, it's interesting like that. Yesterday's rally was the fifth <clears throat> biggest rally in, in history, percentage wise. Yeah. And all but one of the top 10 rallies occurred during recessions and bear markets. The only rally that. Was in the top ten that was not in a recession was the one that happened a day or two after the 1987 stock market crash. So we had a rebound from the stock market crash. But the other nine out of the top ten days were either in the Great Recession in the 1930s and uh, that bear market, or they happened in uh, 2008 during <coughs> that bear market. So bear market rallies are typically very, very big. You know, you usually get the biggest rallies in bear markets, and uh-huh. so we're in a bear market. I don't think yesterday's rally changed that uh, and that yesterday's rally was also in response to the Fed going all in on QE and doing QE infinity, which is what mm-hmm. I said they were going to do from the beginning. And this bill that's being passed today to bail out companies. I mean, look at Boeing is up 33 percent today because Boeing's going to get bailed out and a lot of other companies, uh, you know, and all these companies that are getting bailed out. They all should be failing. And, you know, had we Absolutely. let Boeing. How do we let Boeing go bankrupt, right? Um, People, you know, think, oh, well, then Boeing would stop making planes. No, it wouldn't. Boeing's not going anywhere. If Boeing were to go bankrupt, all that would change is who owns Boeing because (laughs) Boeing is a viable business once you get rid of all the debt. The reason that Boeing is going bankrupt is not because of the coronavirus. They're going bankrupt because they borrowed too much money before the coronavirus, what did they do with all that money they borrowed? They bought back their own overpriced stock. Hmm. And, and so now we're rewarding that reckless management by bailing them out. You know, the same thing for you know, air, uh, hotels or airlines. I mean, I keep hearing the president say, we need an airline industry. Yes, and if we let these airlines go bankrupt, we'll have a stronger airline industry. Absolutely. What they wanna do, yeah. by bailing them out, we keep the industry weak. We preserve the debt, we preserve the management, and now we're probably going to put all kinds of restrictions on the bailed out companies that will make them less efficient and less globally competitive, which means we're going to have to bail them out over and over again. So, you know, all these people and you see these people that come on you know, CNBC and and talk about how we need bailouts. These are all investors, big hedge funds that will get wiped out if we don't bail these companies out because they own the bonds. They own the stock, and so they're pretending that the bailouts are necessary for the country. They're not. The only people who lose in a bankruptcy are investors and lenders. The customers win in a bankruptcy. You know what happens to a company that goes through bankruptcy? The new owners can lower prices because they, they have a much lower cost structure because they don't have all the debt. It actually is better for employees if we get rid of all that debt. Companies have more money to pay wages if they're not paying interest on all this debt. So it's not the workers. It's not the customers. The only people who are getting bailed out are the investors. And you have these billionaire investors on there saying, we have to bail out this company. We have to bail out. They're just talking their own books. They want to bail out. But instead of saying, bail me out, bail me out, they say, bail out the workers. Because that's where the sympathy is. No one's going to – if you came up and told the truth, yes, I'm a billionaire and I want to stay a billionaire, so you need to bail me out. No one's going to be shedding any tears for billionaires who are now millionaires if they don't get bailed out.
1: But we still call this a free market economy. I just find it so ironic. But uh, some, a term that you've said many times – and I'm, a, I'm not an economist by any stretch and a lot of our listeners might not be clear as smart as you with economy. But a term I hear you use is monetizing debt. And obviously that's huge – a huge part of all of this and what the Fed's doing, et cetera. Explain what that is.
0: Well, it's actually exactly you know what the word is, right? So monetizing the debt is basically quantitative easing, but quantitative easing sounds better than monetizing <laughs> the debt. But what happens when you monetize debt is you take debt and you turn it into money, right? So the Federal Reserve does that. So the government is passing this $2 trillion uh, bailout stimulus bill, or maybe $2.5 trillion, whatever the price tag is. So how do they finance that, right? Because they're giving all this money away. Well, the government sells bonds, right? Because they're not raising taxes like we did in World War II. They're cutting taxes. So the government is going to go out and sell bonds. And who's going to buy those bonds? The Federal Reserve, right? They just said we're doing QE infinity. We're going to buy all the bonds that are there. So how does the Federal Reserve buy the bonds that the government is selling to get the money to pay everybody? Well, it creates that money out of thin air. It just manufactures dollars digitally on a computer and and deposits those dollars into the government's checking account, which it then uses to send out the stimulus check. So what the Federal Reserve ends up doing is turning government debt into money, right? And that is the debt has been monetized, right? And, And so the problem with that is you're just creating money out of thin air. And a lot of people think money has value because they can go buy stuff with it. But it's not the money that has value. It's the stuff that you're buying with the money that has value. And we've all agreed that the way we're going to divvy up all the stuff is with the money. So whoever has the most money gets the most stuff. But the value of the money comes from all the stuff that's available to buy. But if you just keep adding money and there's no more stuff, or in the current circumstances, if you're adding money as the supply of stuff is going down, if people aren't providing this stuff, they're not working, they're not producing, but we're just creating more money, then what has to happen? Just prices go up. That's all that happens. I mean, the government doesn't create purchasing power. It doesn't create goods and services. It just supplies money that we use to buy the goods and services that the market creates. But if you just create more money, you don't magically have more goods. So. The prices of those goods just have to go up, and that's all we're doing. We're creating massive inflation. When you monetize the debt, you're creating inflation, and what you risk is destroying the confidence in the monetary system, and having hyperinflation, which is what has happened in a lot of countries. You know, more recently, you can see what's happening in Venezuela, uh, and that happened in other countries, Argentina, Zimbabwe, uh, you know, Zimbabwe is the most the biggest example. You can see photographs on, online. If you don't, I have some of the actual bills of trillion dollar bills 100 trillion dollar bills you know (laughs) at one time the zimbabwe dollar was at parity with the u.s dollar so you could one one zimbabwe dollar would buy you one u.s dollar right right. well you know all of a sudden you needed trillions of zimbabwe dollars to buy one u.s dollar and and how did that happen because they monetized their debt they decided to finance government spending by printing money that's exactly what we're doing (laughs)
2: Same, so as you, as you advised, as you advised uh, the the government not to do what they did in '08 after the the housing crisis, uh, now they're doubling down with even more quantitative easing. As you said, up to ten trillion dollars. What's going on in Europe um, well, while we're going through all this?
0: They're doing the same thing. Exactly. They're just, not, they're, they're just not doing quite as much of it, but yeah, they're doing it. I mean, everybody is following our lead. Uh, You know, but, you know, this is going to be bad news all around the world, but I think it's going to be particularly bad for Americans because I think we're going to collapse this whole monetary system and the dollar. The dollar is really at the anchor of it all, and Americans have a unique benefit from the current monetary system because the dollar acts as the primary reserve currency, Mm -hmm. and so all the foreign central banks hold reserves in dollars and all sorts of global transactions and borrowing is taking place in dollars. And that delivers a huge gain to Americans. I mean, if you want to think about it in simple terms, what if you had a checking account and you didn't really have to have any money in the checking account, but you can write all the checks you wanted because nobody ever cashed them. Right. You would write a check out to somebody. Let's say you wrote a thousand dollar check. And instead of that person taking the check to your bank, they just negotiated it and gave it to somebody else right hey and everybody took your checks nobody bothered to go to the bank they just held on to your checks well i mean you could just keep writing checks and life would be good you could buy whatever you wanted you wouldn't actually have to work or have any money because the checks would never get cash and that's kind of what we do we print money and we send it abroad and they don't nobody uses it to buy anything they just hold on to it they buy our you know they they loan it right back to us they buy treasury so we have these huge trade deficits. We run $600 billion a year trade deficits where we give the world pieces of paper, and mm-hmm. they give us all the products at Amazon and all the stuff at Walmart. right? All this great stuff, we didn't have to make any of it. We don't have any of the factories. We don't have any of the pollution. We don't have to do any of the hard work. right? We just get the stuff, and all we had to do is print money. right? So that's the benefit we get from this monetary system. Is that but kind of what's cla- happening?
1: I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I yeah, just, is it, that so what's we, happening on a micro level? We're giving about to give all these people this free money, and it's not about to go back in the system, and it's not going to have any value?
0: Well, what I think is going to happen is by doing all this and destroying the value of the dollar, by printing too many dollars, we are going to destroy the dollar's value as a reserve asset. And I right. think the world is going to move away from the dollar. I death personally of
2: the petrodollar, gonna, right? Death of, death of that's the, it, pe- yep.
0: the petrodollar i think we're going to move to uh gold again i mean before the dollar was the reserve asset gold was the reserve asset and when gold was the reserve america didn't run trade deficits we used to have trade surpluses you know when we were we had sound money so what's going to happen is the dollar is going to crash and americans are not going to be able to live beyond their means anymore so what does that mean that means that we're only going to be able to consume if we produce well I mean, that means our consumption is going to have to implode because we don't have the factories. We don't have the supply chains. We don't have the skilled workers to make all the stuff that's being made in China and other countries. We're going to have to make it ourselves. And how are we going to do that? It's, it's going to be very difficult. It's going to take a long time to rebuild industries that were destroyed decades ago. Right, but, wow. you know, we're going to have to return to a viable economy. And, you know, the other thing about the dollar being the reserve currency is everybody gets to borrow. We all get to have debt and nobody has to do any of the savings. Everybody can get car loans, auto loans, student loans, home mortgages, and no one's saving anything. Well, that's because the Japanese are saving, the, the, the Chinese are saving. Well, we're going to lose access to that. We're going to have to save. So if, if an American wants to borrow, he's going to have to find an American willing to lend. Well, we're all broke. So our whole <laughs> standard of living is going to collapse. Our whole economy is going to collapse, our way of life. I mean, people who are retired are going to have to go find jobs. Uh, people who are thinking they were going to retire and never going to retire. I mean, look, it's going to be a rude awakening. Uh, a lot of America we have been living in this fantasy, uh, you know, created by, by the Fed, and it's all going to blow up.
1: Well, let me ask you, with, you know, under the guise of, I guess, this corona stuff, we're seeing this, I don't know how much, I, I know this ne- isn't necessarily your lane so much, but we're seeing this medical martial law, we're seeing military deployed, National Guard, Marines. And then when you couple that with, People not working, you know, their bellies are going to about to be empty here in a little bit. Their bank account's going to be empty. They're hoarding food, et cetera. When that runs out, what do you see as the social impact? How long do you think this plays out? Do we move to Mad Max Thunderdome type or, you know, how long does this play out?
0: Yeah, and, and the, well, and I mean, the
1: social yeah, impact?
0: I guess we could be thankful for one thing, that the coronavirus doesn't turn us into zombies, so we're not. We're not
2: gonna it kind of might, it, right?
0: Yeah, you know, but but I mean, it's, so it's 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 not going to be as, as bad as uh, um what was what was that the the zombie movie um zombie the zombie series?
1: Well, Walking I'm Dead. Called? Yeah, I think. Yeah,
0: dead, yeah. So it's not. Look, I'm, I'm, we're we're not going to be like you know Rick Grimes and all those guys in the Walking Dead. So it's not going to be it's not going to be that bad, right? So we could we we could be thankful for that. But look, I don't know how bad a health threat the coronavirus is. I mean, as far as I can tell from what I know, unless there's some long-term side effects that, you know, it's not that bad for the vast majority of people, right? So the people who are vulnerable are people in their eighties, people who have a lot of other health problems, people who are obese. And of course these people are vulnerable to all sorts of stuff. I mean, it's not just the coronavirus. I mean, if you're in your eighties and you fall out of bed night you you could die from that I mean there's yeah. all sorts of things and and the other thing is if you're in your 80s you're probably gonna die before you get 90 I mean most people don't make it to 90 I mean most people don't even make it to 80 but you know if you make it to 80 your life expectancy is not 90 so there are, you know people we're gonna where people are gonna die in their 80s I mean if this was killing young people that had their whole lives ahead of them you know and again I'm not diminishing I look my mom's 79 I don't want you know I just assume her lived to hundred Um, yeah. But in the scheme of things, you know, this I mean, it, this is not like the worst thing. I mean, maybe it's highly contagious. I don't know. Um, but for most people that get it, I mean, I think a lot of people are going to get it. and Don't even know they have it. I mean, they'll get over right. it and then they'll be immune. It's not, you know, but I think what the government is going to do, right, because we were going to have a horrible economy anyway. We had a crisis right. coming. A day I was going to ask you about that. 100 hey.
2: percent. We've been talking and about so it. For now, some time.
0: Right? So now they can kind of, you know, blame it all on the coronavirus as Uh if everything was great before the coronavirus. And if it wasn't for this damn virus, we'd be everything would be great. So you can't blame us. You can't blame the Fed. You can't blame the government because it's all about the crisis. And because of that, they have it now an incentive, a vested interest in actually postponing and prolonging this thing, because if they actually said everything is okay, go back to work and then everything was really bad then they couldn't blame the crisis. So the longer they can keep Absolutely. everybody worried. And, and 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 then the other thing is because there's a crisis now, kind of anything goes in Washington. Exactly. Like we talked about World War II, right? In World War II, that's when the government introduced the withholding tax, right? Because before World War II, people didn't have taxes withheld from their pay, and hardly everybody paid income taxes. But what happened when the war broke out, the government said, oh, no, we need to take money out of your pay, right? and the people were like well i guess yeah we're at war you know we have soldiers who are dying i got to pay for that i mean so nobody right. objected but if it was peacetime right if there was no war and some politician said hey i want to take a third of your pay right out of your check you know they would have said what are you nuts there's no way i'm going to sign up for that nobody would have been okay with the income tax and no politician would have proposed it if we weren't at war, well, so and, and several
1: several like, Supreme Court decisions stated that a direct tax on income was constitutional up until that point.
0: Well, it was unconstitutional until the Sixteenth Amendment kind of came around. But I, I mean, exactly. but even but even though we had an income tax in 1941, it wasn't directly taken out of your pay, and fewer than three percent of the population made enough money to even pay it. I mean, so it wasn't a tax middle class Americans never paid the income tax before the war and never thought they would pay the income tax. It was a tax on the rich. That was the soak the rich tax to get Carnegie and Rockefeller and Vanderbilt. Hmm. Average people didn't pay it. Even average lawyers and doctors didn't pay it. You had to be really, really rich. You had to be way up there in the one percent, you know, to to pay that tax. Um, But but so the government always can get away with things during a crisis. That it could never get away with. That's why Rahm Emanuel, one of his famous quotes is, "Never let a crisis go, go to waste." waste. Yes.
1: Absolutely.
0: If, well, it's so funny. A, you know, it, it, I'm sorry, go ahead. pass all this crap, right? So all all this pork barrel, all all this legislation is happening now. And so the the longer they can keep everybody riled up and get everybody scared, yeah, they can say the government's going to help you. And now we, you have to give up this right. You have to give up these individual liberties, because if you don't, you're going to die from this pandemic. So surrender your rights to the government. We're going to protect you. Right. And so now the government uses this to get more and more corrupt and bigger and bigger uh, in a way that they never could do if we didn't, you know, we weren't scared out of our wits by this. They've become very
2: good at fear based conditioning, haven't they? Yeah, it's yep. an art it's an art form. So, Well,
1: and it's funny because a few weeks ago, and this isn't a referendum on Bernie or the Green New Deal or any of that, but throughout this whole campaign and all of that, that's how are we going to pay for this? How are we going to pay for this? And we just cut the check for five to however many trillion in the last week and a half, two weeks, and no one's asking that question simply because, like you said, everybody's so scared.
0: Yeah, and it's like, well, how are we going to pay for it? We're not. That's the answer. We're just going to print the money. But people think that printing all that money means you get it for free. I mean, if you could just get stuff for free by printing money, why did we wait for the coronavirus? Why don't we just do that all the time? I mean, why wait for an emergency? I mean, why doesn't the government just not tax anybody, right? Get rid of all the taxes and just print all the money it needs. Isn't that the essential? Isn't that
1: the basis of fractional reserve banking is just kind of printed out of thin air?
0: Well, it's a little bit different, but but, yeah, the the point is that if there is no cost to printing money, then why should we do it all the time now? If the reason we don't do it all the time time, is because there is a cost, okay, so what is the cost of this? How are we all going to pay for all this money that we're about to print? We're going to pay for it with much higher prices. We're going to pay for it through inflation, which means we're not actually getting the benefit. If the government gives you money, but then prices go way up. Yeah. You don't actually have any more purchasing power than you did before you you got the money. I mean, let's say, you know, some let's say a carton of, of, of eggs costs me five dollars and then the government gives everybody money. So now they have twice as much money. And now a carton of eggs is ten dollars. I don't have anything else. I just I have the, I can buy the same amount of eggs as I could before I got the money.
1: Is that okay, that I mean, we, Weimar Republic sure. scenario? Yeah. Wheelbarrows of money for a loaf of bread kind of thing?
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, that. I mean that's ultimately where this is going. I mean, unless we're willing to pay the price of stopping it. But if we don't stop it, which is going to be very painful, that's where we're going to go.
2: Just the most citizens, I don't know what percentage it is, but it's pretty high. Citizens do not understand the fact that inflation is a hidden tax. It is a way of taxing the hell out of people, and they don't understand it, right? It's not coming out of their paycheck. Clearly, they don't see it printed in the stub, that those were the taxes that were taken out, but that's, that's how it works.
0: Yeah. I mean, look, governments have to be funded, right? Government spending doesn't come to us for nothing. Right. So, and governments have one source of revenue and that's the people, right? But they have different ways that they can get the money from the people. The most obvious way is taxation, right? They just levy a tax and they collect money from the people. Right. So, and obviously that's the most, visible because you see the tax that you're paying, right? Especially if it's being taken right out of your pay or it's a sales tax. You buy something you see right at the end. Oh, here's a tax, right? So the government gets that money. The other way they can get money is they can borrow it. They can go out and sell bonds and people will loan them the money. But when they do that, the taxpayer is still on the hook for paying the taxes. It's just that you pay the taxes later, right? Instead of paying them now. But when the government borrows money, they have to pay the lender interest. So, if you if the government borrows money today, they're just gonna have to raise taxes even more in the future to pay for it. So when the government ra- finances its spending by borrowing, it actually ends up costing taxpayers more in taxes than if they had just taxed them initially and not, you know, incurred the interest.
2: But there's one
0: there's one more yeah. way. There's one more way that the government can get money from the people, and that's to print it, right? That's to get it from the central bank. But what happens when the central bank prints money is instead of the government actually taking your money away from you, they end up taking the purchasing power away from your money. Right. So instead of, you know, if the government were to take half my money in taxes, then I can buy half as much stuff. But if the government leaves me with all my money, but just prints so much money that my money loses half its purchasing power, then I arrived at the same place. Since prices yes. have doubled, I can now buy half as much stuff. Because the government spent all this money that it created by printing it. So that's what's going to happen. This bailout bill, this stimulus bill, is a massive tax increase on the American public. That's now, true. a lot of the people who are paying the taxes are also going to be getting the benefits, right? But so the government's taking money from your right pocket and putting it in your <laughs> left. But <laughs> but believe me, the government's going to take out a nice chunk of change for itself. So very that, few people <laughs> – and, of course, there are going to be some it. people. Yeah. And of course, there are going to be some people that are given more money than they than the government takes. But there's going to be a lot of people who don't get very much money and the government's going to take a lot more.
2: Yeah. A lot of my a lot of my far left leaning friends are going to be suddenly for a much smaller government, aren't they, Peter?
0: Well, I don't know if they're even going to appreciate what's going on. They're probably going to blame all the price increases on greedy capitalists and <laughs> and and. This is terrible. People are raising prices. Don't they care? They're heartless. They're taking advantage of people, right? You know, let's put them in jail. Let's 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 have price controls, which they'll have. And what happens when we have price controls? Well, then there's shortages there. You can no yes, longer right. allocate things based on price. And so now you're going to have to wait in long lines.
2: Oh, you know, Venezuela. To-
0: yeah, yeah, look, look, well, we did it in the United States. I mean, I- I'm old enough to remember being with my parents. In long lines, waiting two hours to get gasoline. I remember yeah, odd and even that. days. Odd and even days, where depending on if your license plate ended with an odd number or an even number, you were allowed to get gas that day.
2: Right. So,
0: remember.
2: yeah, I remember. I'm a little older than you, Jeff.
0: had price, price <laughs> controls, but it's look. That's what's going to start to happen. You know, I think it's going to happen for all sorts of goods, and then there's so going to was- be, short, you know, and then there's going to be, you know, black markets and people going to be rioting. I yeah, mean, I was going to ask you cannot... if you
2: wanted to. I was going to ask you if you wanted to fund a uh, a black market gun company, Peter.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, That's Americans Americans riot on Black Friday when there's all exactly. sorts of stuff for sale. Right. You know, imagine how they're going to riot when there's nothing there. Right. That's what on we keep bellies, saying on, on, on empty
1: bellies. bellies. Well, let me ask you something, uh, you know, it's obviously been floated out there these last several years as a refuge from fiat currency, et cetera. We've seen um, as this collapse has happened, uh, also a big bath and a collapse in uh, cryptocurrencies uh and Bitcoin, et cetera, et cetera, is uh, explain that and uh, explain maybe why uh, crypto isn't everything it was necessarily cracked up to be as far as an alternative.
0: Yeah, well, Bitcoin made a lot of money for a lot of people who got in early and who cashed out and who are in the process of cashing out now. But I think it's, you know, a classic uh, pyramid scheme, uh, you know, for the modern age because now it's all, you know, digital and it all sounds great because, oh, it's digital money and, you know. But the, the bottom line is the nature of Bitcoin is that you buy it and then you hope to sell it to somebody else at a higher price who buys it because he hopes to sell it to somebody else at a higher price. I mean, initially, they told everybody, well, it's going to be the money of the future. Except, you know, nobody is using it in transactions today. It's been around for 10 years. And, you know, nobody is using it as a medium of exchange. In fact, even the proponents of Bitcoin admit that it really doesn't work as a medium of exchange. They're claiming it's now just digital gold except it's nothing like gold. You can't do anything with it. You can't make any jewelry out of Bitcoin. Bitcoins don't conduct electricity. I can't use it to fill fill my teeth. Uh, You know, there is no use case for Bitcoin. And so it's nothing like gold. So it's not a store of value because it has no value to store. It is just a speculative digital asset, uh, you know, kind of like, you know, a high tech beanie baby. (laughs) <laughs> but at least a Beanie Baby was a Beanie Baby was kind of cute and you can give it to your kid to play with it. Right. You know, nobody play with your Bitcoin. So, you know, the Beanie Babies had more value. But, you know, there was a there's a bubble in that. And I think the bubble popped. Actually, I think yeah. Bitcoin peaked out in December of 2017. The price was almost twenty thousand a Bitcoin. Uh, now we're about sixty six hundred sixty seven hundred. Uh, we've been declining for almost three years or two and a half, whatever it is, two and a half. And I think Bitcoin is headed back to where it started from, which is basically zero. The only question is how quickly it gets there. But there are a lot of people that you know have been conned into this, and you know they just they just can't see the bubble uh, because they're trapped in it. But anybody who has Bitcoin, if you really want to store value, if you're really worried about the monetary system and hyperinflation and fiat currencies and the Fed, you should buy gold. That's what I've done. Or you could buy silver. You know, but don't. Buy fool's gold, which is what you're doing when you buy Bitcoin.
2: So the American dollar right now is staying fairly high. This, this uh, QE has not fully impacted it yet. Does something, is there something going on with the gold and silver market where we know that that's going to explode? I mean, it's, it's hard to say uh, that it's not going to. I mean, it's, even a dummy could figure that out, Peter. But are they deliberately um, right now shorting paper, gold, and silver at all? To, make the, to prop the American dollar up for a little bit longer, as long as they can, uh, before everything falls apart?
0: Well, certainly they want to keep it propped up, but, but they actually can't. I mean, right now the dollar is somewhat strong uh, because a lot of uh, debtors around the world are rushing for dollar liquidity at the same time. So you have this temporary spike in dollar demand, even as dollar supply is growing. But after that liquidity crunch, you know, that panic dollar buying uh, subsides, the dollar is going to drop like a stone. I mean, that's exactly what happened in 2008. When the financial crisis started, uh, the dollar went up, gold went down, gold dropped about 25%. It went from 1,100 down to about 800. But then after everything died down, the dollar started to fall and gold went from 800 to almost 2,000, right? But the reason that gold stopped going up and the reason the dollar started to, to go up is that the Federal Reserve was able to convince the world that what they did worked, that 0% interest rates, that quantitative easing, that it was all a success, and that now they were going to normalize interest rates. They were going to bring rates back up to 5%. Uh, they were going to shrink their balance sheet from the $4.5 trillion that it was up to back down to less than a trillion, which was where it was before the financial crisis. And everybody believed the Fed. And so, based on that, the people started buying back dollars and selling gold, anticipating all these rate hikes that were going to help the dollar and hurt gold. And, you know, the the Fed shrinking the money supply and selling all these bonds. Well, now that the Fed is blowing up the balance sheet to 12, 10 trillion and beyond, now that, uh, you know, debt is exploding, right, and rates are back at zero, there is no ability for the Fed to tell anybody. That normal rates are coming anytime soon or ever and that the Fed is ever going to be able to shrink this balance sheet because if they couldn't shrink a four and a half trillion dollar balance sheet, how can they ever shrink a 10 trillion dollar balance sheet or 20 trillion? If they couldn't normalize interest rates because of all the debt, you know, when the national debt was 24 trillion, how are they going to normalize rates when the national debt is 40 trillion? Right. I mean, so, you know. And then so there's no way to stop the dollar from collapsing there's no way to stop gold from rising so people need to take this brief window of opportunity while you know it's like wiley coyote has just run off the edge of the cliff (laughs) and he's got a few minutes before he (laughs) looks down to realize where he's standing right and before he looks down he doesn't fall so before wiley coyote realizes the situation he's in Get rid of your dollars, sell your dollars, sell your treasuries. The Fed is buying them. You can get out and then take those dollars, buy some gold and silver. You know, you could buy it with us at Shift Gold. You know, normally when you buy silver from us, we can ship it out the next day. Now you got to wait like two to three months because there's their run out. Uh, and we're going to run out of gold soon. Probably the physical gold supply is being bought up. Yeah. Obviously, price is going to surge. Uh, and, and so right now it kind of hasn't done that yet. Uh, So you can buy gold and silver. If you have more substantial accounts, you can transfer an account to me at Europe Pacific Capital. If you have US stocks, sell, get out. You know, the market, even though we've dropped 30%, 35%, we dropped from a very, very high level. So the market is still dramatically overvalued even now. Uh, And it's headed much lower regardless of the coronavirus. But obviously the coronavirus just makes it worse.
2: Where do you think Uh, the bottom is on the market?
0: uh, Well, I think the bottom is about one ounce of gold. Because it's hard to put a target on it in yeah. terms of dollars. So right now it's worth about 13 ounces of gold, 12 ounces of gold. Uh, to give you an idea of where it started, at the peak, in 1999, the Dow was worth 42 ounces of gold. So wow. we've been falling. We're down about 70% over the last 21 years. So it's a pretty big right. bear market. But right. I think the bear market is going to get much worse. Uh, there has been two times in history where you can buy the entire Dow Jones for one ounce of gold. 1932? And 1980, right? So I think you'll be able to buy the the Dow for an ounce of gold again. Now, what year will that be? Uh, will it be 2022, 2024? I don't know, but I think the Dow is going to be worth one ounce of gold. Now, does that happen with the Dow 10,000 gold 10,000, Dow 20,000 gold 20,000, Dow 50,000 gold 50,000? 50, I don't know. But don't get excited about Dow 50,000. Don't think, oh, if the Dow goes to 50,000, I'm going to be rich. No, you won't, <laughs> because yeah. the price of everything you want to buy is going to go up a lot more than the Dow. So you yeah. won't be rich. You'll be poor. <laughs> so you need you need to get out now. And you know there are <laughs> stocks all around the world that we're buying for people that are that are inexpensive, that aren't overpriced, that are inexpensive, that have good dividends, and that are in countries that aren't completely screwed up. Uh, and you know so the value of those stocks will hold up. And, and, and so will the dividends that they pay in foreign currencies that will gain value against the dollar.
2: Wow yeah so in, in, in you know we don't want to keep you too long we know you're super busy but I wanted to ask you right now uh, you already gave us what they should have done in 8 and it's probably going to be obviously pretty much the same now but but for for our listeners, give a simple explanation for our listeners of how Peter Schiff if he were in charge of correcting the situation that we are dealing with with right now and I know that involves a lot of pain initially. But give us your breakdown of that.
0: Well, what I would do. Yes, you're (laughs) in
2: charge. Peter Schiff is in charge.
0: Well, I mean, it would be very simple. I mean, I would basically level with the American public and tell them, look, you know, we're in a lot of trouble as a nation. We've made a lot of mistakes. uh, But, you know, the buck stops here. We're going to stop making mistakes. You know, the the, the first rule of holes is when you're in one, stop digging. Right now, (laughs) what we're doing now is we are digging the hole much much deeper so i would level with the public and say look we've been living in a fantasy in a bubble economy and all we've been doing is kicking the can down the road and i'm not going to kick it anymore let's deal with this problem now before it's even more expensive and more painful to deal deal with it later now because we've kicked it down the road for so long it is going to be horrific it would have been much better had i been able to be in charge and do the right thing in 08 and it would right. have been much better if i could have done the right thing in 2001 and it could have been much <laughs> better if i would have done the right thing in 1987 i mean so we've been we've been constantly delaying the day of reckoning and each time we delay it we make it that much worse but yeah. you can't do it forever right eventually it's going to blow up so i'd rather have it you know on my own terms than have it just ha- happen right so but here's what we have to do we got to shrink government we got to make government much smaller so that the public can actually afford to support it. We yeah, have to absolutely. abolish agencies and departments. The government has to stop subsidizing stuff. And that's from businesses to consumers, right? So you want to go to college, no government loans, no government money, which is great because then colleges will cut tuition. You want, to, you want to buy a house, get a mortgage, but the government's not going to guarantee it, which is going to be good because then real estate prices will be affordable again because people won't be able to borrow a bunch of money to overpay. But right. we got to get the government out of the economy completely, out of out of the business of subsidizing, bailing out, uh, providing anything, including health care. You know, people have to uh, get their goods and services in the free market, not from the government. It's too expensive right. when the government provides it. But the government has to admit that a lot of promises that it made, it can't keep. It can't pay all the Social Security benefits. It can't pay all the Medicare benefits. It can't even pay the interest or on the money it borrowed it can't even repay the loans that it has it can't keep its commitments to workers to pay pensions to government work look we're broke we've right. got to stake our medicine yeah um and, and so stock prices are going to go down real estate prices are going to go down but the good news right is that all the real estate stays here right we don't have to blow up all of our buildings we still have all that all the infrastructure is still here. We still have the roads, the highways, the telephone, telecommunications, all this stuff. that we. None of, none of that goes away, right? Um, and, and so we still have the farms. We still have what factories we have. So we still have all this stuff. It's just going to be a financial reset. People are going to get wiped out. People are going to lose their jobs. But, you know, what we need to do is shrink government so that we can restart. Right. We can start over again. And people won't have to pay income taxes. They won't have to pay payroll taxes. They won't have all these regulations getting in the way. And they'll we'll be able to rebuild the economy, uh, and, and and you know, and, and tool up and, and gear up, and we can you know, in in a generation. We, you know, we could have the richest economy in the world. I mean, we could be much greater than we were, you know, before the government destroyed the economy, you know, in the first place. But, Crazy. you know, capitalism works great, you know, and, and, and it worked in America in the 19th century. It could work even better in the 21st century. But the problem is, I don't think we're going to do all that. I think we're going to I think we're going to keep on blaming capitalism for the failures of government. And we're ultimately going to be a totalitarian uh, society. We're going to be a socialist state. Where the government provides everything which means nobody has anything wow and it's going to be very very uh you know dire
2: that's something that United. we feared that's something that yeah. we
0: certainly,
2: uh, certainly pondered and uh, you know does uh you know past presidents have, have pulled it off uh, jackson pulled it off um we, you know kennedy was talking about it we know where he ended up does this involve And are enough Americans awake where they would respond positively to killing the Fed, no more interest on our money, and going to a gold-backed Treasury note? I mean, is that, you know, in my mind, that there's enough Americans, at least, that are educated a little bit, that would support a move like that?
0: Well, you know, a lot of people would support. Hey, let's get rid of the Fed and just let Congress print the money directly. But that's probably, you know, that's just as bad. It may even be worse. Who the hell knows? Hmm. I mean, we have to go to sound money. We have to yeah. go back on the gold standard. Yeah. But see, when you're on a gold standard, there's no bailouts, there's no stimulus, because where do you get the gold? See, it's easy to get well, paper we... money, because you just create it out of thin air. But if the government yeah. actually had to get gold in order to bail somebody out, then what well, were they, where are they going to get it? You know, you, it's gold is a physical element. It has to be mined. I mean, you just can't conjure it into existence like you can with, you know, fiat money. Unless you really good... on a computer, right?
1: Unless you're a really yeah, good which alchemist, is... you can yeah. create gold.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah.
2: But Peter, uh, Peter, Peter, please uh, let us know where people can find you. Everything you've got going on your website. I got a couple
1: more questions. Just two more. Oh, I'm
2: sorry. Yeah.
1: I mean, well, you you mentioned mortgages. And obviously, you know, with the St. Louis Fed chief saying we're looking at possible 30 percent unemployment with the depression being, you know, in the low 20s. Uh, What do you think is going to happen to the mortgages in the U.S.? You might have answered this with the monetizing debt. But what happens to mortgages that don't get paid?
0: Well, or well, can't they go, paid. Into default. they go into default, and the lenders lose money. But if the Federal Reserve ends up buying all those mortgages, well, it's the taxpayers that lose money. But they're not going to lose it through taxation. They're going to lose it to inflation because the yeah. Fed is going to pay money to buy that bad mortgage. Okay. So that is that. That's the problem. And, and so the losses here are just going to be horrific. You know, I mean, if you thought they were bad in 2008, I mean, that was nothing. Because wow. it's not just the mortgage loan that's going bad. I mean, you got car loans, you got student loans. I mean, they're just talking about forgiving all the student loans. I mean, well, where does that money come from? Exactly. I mean, it's not costless when you when you have a 1.6 trillion dollars of money that's been loaned to people to buy college degrees, and you say you don't have to pay that loan back. Okay, well, the students gain 1.6 trillion. Well, somebody must lose that 1.6 trillion. What are the consequences of that? Nobody wants to talk about that. Yeah. Of course, the only reason that these student loans exist is because of the government. If it yeah. wasn't for the government, no students would have any loans. They would just school
2: been wouldn't to- be expensive.
0: No, yeah. and not as many people would go, right? I mean, people that got Cs and Ds in high school wouldn't go to college anyway and major in some Mickey Mouse liberal arts thing. The only people <laughs> who would go to college are people who got A's and B's in High school, and they would major in stuff like physics and engineering right. and computer science. We wouldn't have I just all the
2: gender studies is not Mickey Mouse there, Buster. Yeah, yeah,
0: and yes, <laughs> and so, and when you go to McDonald's, right, in, in a world where the government wasn't subsidizing college degrees, when you go to McDonald's, right, and somebody fills your order, they won't have a philosophy degree, right? They wouldn't have gone to college, right? Because <laughs> see, now we have all these people doing You know medial i mean the funny thing i did this video when i was in new orleans about five six years ago and if you can see the video on my youtube channel and just type in you know peter schiff college degree and you'll see this video that i did a five minute video where i walked down uh, walmart uh uh, the street in uh, bourbon street and i interviewed people and i interviewed you know uh the bouncers at strip clubs the bartenders the strippers uh people that were driving pedicabs people that were sweeping up the streets Uh, And I asked everybody, you know, uh, if they went to college, what their major was when they graduated and how much they owe. And pretty much everybody that was working had a college degree and owed money, but obviously none of them. There were even people with double majors, you know, and so you had all these people and did they need college degrees to do that? No. Why do they have college degrees? Because the government made the money available. So this, this whole thing, I mean, you got all these Democratic guys that are you know, running for and gals that were running for president. And the one thing that they all oh, this is terrible, that 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 students have all this debt. Yes. And the reason they have all this debt is because of government. And when there were smart people, conservatives who were opposed to this stuff back in the 1960s, oh, you're mean, you don't care. They weren't mean. They just understood where it was going. You know, my father uh, went to college. And so did his, you know, a lot of his friends went. I mean, he, you know, he was a good student and he he majored in accounting and finance. He went to UConn, but his parents didn't have any money to send him to college. So he had a job waiting tables in the Catskills every summer. And so he worked over the summer and and, and paid for his room and board and tuition, which is what everybody used to do. Mm -hmm. There was an old expression, I'm working my way through college. That's what people did. Well, what, a wow. politician, what the politicians told the students, right, was you shouldn't have to work over the summer. You should be able to enjoy your summers, take a vacation, go to the beach, travel around Europe. We'll just make it so you can borrow money And then after you graduate, you'll just be able to repay the loans and, you know, you'll have a much better job then. And so you won't have to work that hard. It'll be really easy to repay your loans. Yeah, this is
2: all due to (laughs) emotion-based politics, basically.
0: Yes, and it all happened after we lowered the voting age down to 18. See, Mm -hmm. it's not a coincidence. We lowered the voting age down to 18, and then we had to pander to the 18-year-olds by promising them something for nothing. Yeah. So this is what happened. This is why you never want to get in bed with the government. Because this is what happens to you. So we created this government program, which created a massive problem. Now they want to make college free for everybody. Well, that's going to be even more expensive. The most expensive thing you can have is what the government gives you for free. Somebody you know, that's the thing. That's
2: it, why I told, my, I told my kids, I've got a 17-year-old, 15-year-old, and a 6-year-old, and I told my oldest kids from the time they were 6 years old, I said, if you want to go to college, you better... Great at sports and get a scholarship in academics and get a scholarship uh, in academics so that you can pay for it yourself. Would I have paid for it? Absolutely. But I can tell you this my oldest daughter now has a uh, uh, almost complete full ride to a university for rowing and academics, and my 15 year old is already getting offers. So it's that's it, you know, you make a card, you, you instill that in your children to earn it themselves. Right. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, my final question before we let you slide, sir, as a part of this economic stimulus package, from what I read yesterday, there is this digital dollar. Help us out. What does that look like? I mean, is this this transfer from fiat to digital currency? What are they doing with that?
0: Well, it would just be digital fiat. I mean, it was not going to be sound money. I mean, it's, it, so what What? 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 it would be is that the government would create a digital version of the paper dollar. And what they want to do is they want to give each American, I guess who has a social security number uh, when you get assigned your social security number, I guess in the future, but for now, uh, they would give every American a digital wallet. And so when they want to stimulate the economy and they want to just give money to people, they won't have to mail a stimulus check in the mail. Right. They'll just load up that digital wallet with the digital dollars that they created out of thin air. And those digital dollars will have a one for one value with the actual paper dollars. So, you know, if they want to give everybody a thousand dollars, they just you know, just wake up one morning and there's a thousand dollars in your digital wallet. And then you can go out and spend it. But, you know, this is a horrible idea because, you know, yes, it's more efficient at you know, injecting inflation into the economy. So the effects of the inflation will be more immediate because the money will be there quicker. But what I don't like about it, in addition to the fact that it's just a bad idea, is it really is an oppressive idea because I think the government will then gain an even greater control exactly. over our lives. Because I think once they introduce the digital dollar, they will gradually and then phase out the paper dollar so that the right. only money you'll have will be this digital money and, and then therefore- when they- yeah, the well,
2: government. And then they decide that you owe more taxes, or they want to take more money from you. They can they can suck it back out.
0: Well, they'll they just take right. Your
2: on your they can track everything you do, everything everywhere you go. If you donated money to a, a political party that they don't particularly care for at the time, any anything could be used. Like oh that. yeah,
0: they'll know they look, they'll know everything that you do. Right? You'll have no privacy. They'll know whatever you spend your money on, you know, if you, you know, you do something, you know, that you're not necessarily that you might think is embarrassing. You know, they're going to have that information on you, you know, what, you know, what, you know, where you spent your money, what kind of websites, what you bought, you know, uh, you know, anything, you know, you're seeing a psychiatrist, I'll know about that. You have a marital problem, whatever you're doing, they're going to have all the information, but they can also micromanage. They could tell you, oh, you, you know, you can use you can spend your money on this stuff, but we you know you can't spend it on guns. Right. You can't spend it on certain you know types. And they might and they can actually say, you know what, you have to spend that money. Uh, by next week, or we're going to take 10 percent of it away or we're going to they could try to encourage you to spend quickly or they can even they can even say, you know, they can have favorite individual com- companies that have given them money and say, OK, you ne- you can only use this money at Walmart. That's right. where you have to go. I mean, I mean, but, you know, there's all kinds of things, but they'll be able to punish people, to, you know, deny you access to your money. I mean, I'll, I mean, it's a very, Absolutely. very Orwellian it's- oppressive tool. When you know, because you eliminate the black market in that, you know, people can no longer transact in cash. See when the government when you're when you're transacting in cash, if you and I met somewhere and I gave you a hundred dollars and you did something for me or gave me something, the government has no idea that transaction took place. Right? Um, but if they eliminate that cash, then they know every transaction. Now of exactly. course once they eliminate cash, well what are you gonna transact in? Well you can transact in you know, euros or yen, or other cash that's still there, or silver and gold. You know, I'm betting people are going to use silver. That's why, you know, I'm telling people to go to shift gold and load up on small silver coins. You know, one ounce silver coins, which may end up being the medium of exchange one day. You want to buy something, Absolutely. you better have some silver to barter. For sure,
2: sounds like well, China with, point, with the social going credit, back so. to your point. If they're tracking that you're you're paying for uh, a psychiatrist or you're buying uh, psychotropic drugs for the certain number of years, whatever. There's your gold co- or your gun confiscation in play. There's there's so many different angles that they can use.
0: Oh yeah, look, I don't want the U.S. government to know every single thing I buy, right. and and be able to basically centrally plan my consumption patterns. I mean, they may be you know deciding when I should get more money. I mean, you know, it did look this is this is right out of you know a science fiction movie to give the government that much power. But you know. Oh, how are they going to grab it? Oh, we need this power because we have to be able to deliver stimulus because of the coronavirus. So, yeah, you know, I, I, but the, the bottom line is and I know, you, you know, is that people have got to act now. The, the, the value of the dollar is going to be destroyed. That's the problem. They can load up our digital wallets with as much fake money as they want, but they can't give anything, you know, provide anything to buy. They can't put any merchandise on the shelves. Right. That has to be produced. Uh, and, and the government doesn't produce anything. They don't make anything. They just take stuff. Right? Wow. People have to remember that the government doesn't give give you stuff. They take stuff from you. And that's an old saying. Any government big enough to give you everything you want is big enough to take from you everything you have. And that's <laughs> really what the government is doing. Whatever whenever it promises to give you something, know that it has to take it from somebody else. And eventually the somebody else that they're taking it from is you.
2: Yes, pay attention, my liberal friends. Pay attention. Yeah, ladies
1: and gentlemen, economist, podcast host of the Peter Schiff Podcast, CEO of Euro Pacific Capital. Um, Like you said, shout out any uh, online or you know social networking website, etc. We can track you down, sir.
0: Yeah, I've been. First of all, I am pretty active now on social media. Follow me on Twitter. I've got just went over two hundred thousand subscribers this week. Uh, I'm tweeting out a lot to try to counteract the mainstream media. You know, the only thing spreading faster than the coronavirus is ignorance, and that's oh, yeah. the media. Uh, so, you know, so I, I, I'm your antidote for that. So, my podcast, ShiftRadio.com. I'm almost doing them every day now. You can listen at ShiftRadio.com, iTunes. Go to my YouTube channel, Peter Schiff. I post all my, uh, my podcasts on my YouTube channel. Last couple of days, I've been doing just live. Uh, Wet, you know, broadcasts on, on on the internet, getting a couple hundred thousand people to listen to those. I want to grow that audience to a million. So you know, make sure to you know go to subscribe to my YouTube channel, uh, and for investors. Do something about it. Bail yourself out right now. Get yourself some physical gold and silver. Shiftgold.com is my gold company. Got the best prices, you know, there. You know, you can get on gold and silver lowest prices, so you get the most gold for your money. No, no numismatics, none of that nonsense. Just real gold and silver. And if you got larger portfolios, you know, you got to contact my brokers at Euro Pacific Capital and uh, europac.com, E-U-R-O-P-A-C.com. Talk to one of my advisors, transfer your IRA, you roll it over, move your, you know, any accounts that you have so we can divest it of U.S. stocks and bonds and get you protected. If you don't have that much money, if you have maybe, you know, 25,000, maybe 50,000, just go to my website, europacificfunds.com, E-U-R-O-P-A-C-I-F-I-C funds, europacificfunds.com. That's my, the fund for my mutual funds. You can just buy your funds directly on my website. Just follow the instructions. I have five good funds. I've got a gold fund, uh, the Europe Pacific Gold Fund, all gold mining stocks. I have an international value fund, an international dividend payers fund, an emerging market fund, and a foreign short-term bond fund. Figure out, you know, you can buy a mix. The minimum is twenty five hundred dollars per fund, and then once you're in, you can set up like automatic payments. You can have money every month from your bank account, you know, a little bit at a time added to my funds. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you gotta, you gotta take action. You, know, you got to bail yourself out because as the government's bailing everybody else out, yeah. they're gonna you know, impoverish everybody. So yes. if you don't want to be impoverished, you know, protect yourself from the bailouts and the stimulus. The government's cure is worse than the disease. Yeah, that's, always what's, is. that's what's worried always is.
1: is. Well, thank you so much for your time. If you don't mind, just hold on just for a minute after we hang up. I want to ask you a quick question, but this has been okay, Peter, sure. Peter Schiff. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so very much for your time, champ. Love your brother. Peace and so much love. Stay tuned, ladies thank and you, gentlemen. Peter. There will always be more.